What's up my self-improvement people? It is Brian Ford with Self-Improvement Daily. Take ownership of your personal development one tip at a time. Today, I'm coming at you with a self-improvement sit-down. Basically, instead of sharing a two-minute quick tip about personal development exercises, mentalities, reflections, and understandings, in self-improvement sit-downs, we cover topics that can't possibly be covered in two minutes. We hear from industry leaders who are the very best at what they do and tap into their expertise so that we can make progress from their example. I'm announcing a special opportunity specifically for people who take action from this episode, so be sure to listen to the very end. Now, it's time for self-improvement sit-down number 37 with Tanya Ramos. And we are live. Today's guest is Tanya Ramos. Tanya is CEO of the nonprofit Pencils of Promise, an international nonprofit that has built 531 schools at the moment of this recording, serving over 110,000 students in Asia, Africa, and Latin America. With more than 20 years of experience, Tanya guides her operation to expertly introduce disruption and innovation in the nonprofit sector. She's a leader at home, a leader in diversity, inclusion, and awareness, and a leader in service. Tanya, you are a busy woman. Thank you so much for making the time to chat today. Brian, are you kidding me? Thank you. With that intro, I don't know that I have much else to add, but thank you so very much. I'm thrilled to be here with you. No, you are beyond abundant. You have so much to add to this. You're adding so much to the world, and it really is an honor to be in touch. And I'm, a, I'm excited to serve alongside you. And in the thread of that, I'd love to learn from you about what service means and, and how we can be servant leaders, as you call it, right? It's something that stands out about you and something that you embody, that you've chosen to embody, that you've chosen to dedicate your life to. And, you know, the word servant leader in itself, it has the word servant, it has leadership. And I think there's a very interesting collaboration and connection between those two things. And I'd just love for you to kind of set a framework for us to, to grow upon in terms of what does servant leadership mean to you as an individual? It really just means much of what you've said and being in service to others. As you might know, I grew up in New York City. I grew up in a very under-resourced community. And um, my parents struggled to make ends meet. And for me, in order to have been able to thrive personally, academically, it meant having folks invest, mm -hmm. right? Invest in my promise, in my potential. And as a result of that, I thrived. And so I knew very early on that I wanted to be in a position to serve others. I wanted to ensure that children that looked like me had an opportunity to have access to the very same things that I did, a strong education, a support network, um, being invested in, right? Being able to realize their promise. And so that is how I've approached my career. Um, that is how I operate in the world. And I, I wouldn't do it any other way. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's, it already kind of alludes to the cycle that exists of you give and you receive. And there is just kind of this natural equilibrium that we strive to reach. And servant leadership is about acknowledging that equilibrium and really kind of coming to terms with kind of the privilege that we receive, the privilege that we can give. And uh, no, it's beautiful. It's beautiful when people have that perspective. And, and I love how you acknowledge the investment that others have had in you. And it kind of leads me to think about the value of collaboration when it comes to not only leadership, but service that, you know, collaboration is something that can amplify uh, individuals and their own, you know, personal unique ability to impact. So I, I'm kind of curious to know based on experiences that you've had in your past where others have invested in you and other opportunities where you've sought collaboration, 
what have you found to be kind of the, the value of that? I mean, I, I've always said there is so much power in the collective, right? Mm. And so in order to really be able to realize full potential aspirations, um, goals, you have to collaborate, right? So I've had the great fortune of being able to collaborate with a number of great peers in my sector, great friends, great mentors. I mean, I most certainly would not be here today if I had not had the opportunity to collaborate with amazing mentors that have been able to help pave the way, um, have thought partnered with me, have supported my efforts. And as such, I try to give that back to whomever I I interface with, interact with my team, our children around the globe, as you alluded to earlier, um, we have 530 schools around the globe and we serve 100,000 students. And I see myself in all of the children that we serve. Mm -hmm. And so it is a full collaboration, a collaboration with students, the communities, the ministries of education in the countries that we operate in. It is predicated on collaboration. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. Yeah. And I think I, what's so interesting about collaboration is, you know, a system is only as strong as its weakest point, And that system can be amplified by all of the components of the system, right? So that's kind of where you kind of act as a cog in the machine. It's difficult sometimes to put your ego aside to, you know, to be humble. And I think a servant leader, like humility is a massive component to that as well. But to be Agreed. able to put your ego aside so that you play your role in order to accomplish that larger goal to, uh, to reach that larger objective. So I, I, I love that point. And you at the top of Pencils of Promise, you know, as CEO, you need to be that servant leader that embodies that humility that then trickles down so everyone can, can play their role, which, um, which is really incredible. I could not agree more, right? Operating from a lens of humility, mm. gratitude, and vulnerability, right? I don't mm. have all the answers. And I, I lean in on my team. I have an amazing group of committed, intelligent individuals. And we're able to create the magic we do on the ground in the country we operate in because our team is committed. So it's leaning in, it's being vulnerable, it's being grateful, um, it's being humble. Yeah, I love that you said vulnerability because it's something that, it comes, it comes up a lot, as you know, you know as, a, as a topic. And uh, the fact that certain people perceive vulnerability as a weakness, I think is a bit backwards, right? Because so many people can relate to others when they're being vulnerable. So I'd love something that you also talk about too, is kind of, you know, being strong through uncertainty and how you can be confident um, despite uncertainty. And that's where vulnerability and really asking for help kind of has been valuable. But how have you found asking for help and being vulnerable has specifically aided your mission and your collective mission? I mean, I would tell you that I was backwards for quite some time, right? Early mm -hmm. on, there was no such thing as vulnerability. You know, I lived in a community that vulnerability was interpreted as weakness. Mm. Um, and I had to get ahead. I had to thrive. You know, nothing was handed me. So I certainly did not believe I could operate from a place of being vulnerable um, without failure. Sure. Um, but instead, with growth, right, we grow. And I've learned that that is the most powerful tool is being able to be vulnerable, being able to be approachable, being able to say when I've made a mistake or when I can't get it right or when I need help. Um, it has helped me grow as a leader. And I think it's not only been beneficial for my self-growth, but for those around me. I'm a better leader because I can mm. be vulnerable. Absolutely. Uh, it's, it's super refreshing to hear, to be honest, because a lot of society, like you said, kind of the, the culture that you were brought up in and kind of the expectation a lot of us have is 
you've got to be this really strong figure that's got it all figured out. And I feel like that sells people short. I, I feel like that, that takes us short of the goal line because then we can't fill in the gaps where our insufficiencies or deficiencies exist. You know, so there's, um, you, you need others. And that kind of brings it back to collaboration is through vulnerability, you can attract others who can then fill in the holes in your personal abilities or strategies or whatever. And then boom, absolutely. Collective. It's amazing. Absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Cool. And, and something that relates to that and it's something that really left an impression on me. And I'm curious to hear the impression it left on you was when you were a child, uh, you, you heard this quote, which was, don't hold on to things too tightly so that when they pull it out of your hands, it doesn't hurt as much. Um, which, oh, yes. which is, is sad, but it's interesting. It out loud. Yeah. So tell us, tell us about that. What, what does that quote mean to you today? And how has that shifted you? I, I think it relates back to something we just touched upon a little while ago. Um, privilege, right? Mm. Um, I didn't grow up with very much privilege. And so many of these aspirations, Brian, these goals, um, they were they were very aspirational. I had no one in my immediate circle that had achieved much of what I was hoping to achieve. Um, I wanted to go to college. I wanted to receive my master's degree. I was diagnosed with ADHD as a second grader. And um, my mother had spoken to a doctor that recommended I get on medication. And so in that moment, it felt like the the walls were closing in and maybe I wouldn't be able to realize my full potential because of all the obstacles, if you will, or challenges. Mm. And so I remember my grandmother um, always being a source of encouragement, but that fear, right? That fear of, oh man, if Tanya fails, she will be, she'll be crippled and she'll never be able to excel. So let me just reassure her that she has to make sure she holds on to things really loosely because if they don't come to pass, it won't hurt as much, right? Mm -hmm. But that also ties into that level of vulnerability. Like I had to be okay with failure. I had to be fearless. Mm -hmm. um, so that quote to me could almost stunt you, if you will. But instead, I pulled out the positive And I said, you know what? I'm, I'm going to forge forward. I'm going to figure it out. I may not know how I'm going to get to college or how the hell I might even pay for it. <laughs> but I'm not going to hold on to things loosely. I'm going to hold on to it super tight and I'm going to move forward. And that's how I've lived my life fearlessly and mm -hmm. um, without regret. Mm -hmm. That I, I love that response. And I mean, something that comes out of it is at least what motivated your, your grandma's saying of that is kind of, you know, it's, it's built out of scarcity, right? And be like, oh, you need to take care of yourself. You need to make sure that you have what you need, right? And like that, that message can be injected. And especially, you know, you growing up a woman of color and, you know, kind of in a um, more of an impoverished background means that, you know, that, that messaging is definitely more prevalent and it, it's, it kind of, it strikes harder. And, and something that I found in my life, I come from a much different background, but I've found that our greatest fears very well could be the greatest sense of our motivation. For example, my grandfather, okay. um, you know, grew up very poor in New York, um, grew up very poor, and he was able to graduate from Harvard, summa cum laude, get a Fulbright scholarship and make wow. a life for himself and for my family. And I'm getting wow. chills thinking about it. And, and like, as, a, my, as am I. <laughs> yeah. And, and my biggest fear is if I were in his situation, how would I have done? And what that does is it motivates me every single day to create a name for myself, to work hard, that. you know, and it's, it's just so inspiring how I love you, that. you took the fear that you kind of were exposed to and you flipped it on its head. 
because then you're able to like really show, Hey world, no, this is how I'm going to handle this situation. As for myself, like every day I fight against that fear and the insecurities I have built into that fear. It's such a crazy complex process with our brains and how we process all these things. But I found a parallel there, which uh, I didn't expect to, but that's, it's really interesting. You know what also, also struck me? And it was something that I've said as well. When you said operating from a place of scarcity, you flip that on its head, Brian, right? And you operate from a place of abundance. Mm-hmm. And that makes all the difference. Mm-hmm. And that's what service work is about, right? Is I can share what I have and I can dedicate what I have to others because there is more than enough for myself. And I think that ethos within the nonprofit sector sometimes um, sometimes it gets a little locked up just based on how the nonprofit sector operates. But, you know, people like you that are stepping out and expanding the mission beyond nonprofit and, you know, person to person, that is part of the movement that we need in order to bring this awareness to others being like, yes, you can share big or small what you have. And it's, uh, it's an incredible opportunity just for people to feel that energy and to contribute to that energy. So it's, it's a larger, you know, project in question, and I'm working on it um, in order to be able to bridge that gap. But it's, uh, it's a massive opportunity. I think the world will be better off for it. Um, which is amazing. I and couldn't so- agree more. And, it, and it's thinking about living a life of purpose, right? So mm-hmm. we oftentimes refer to the nonprofit sector, but I'm also always excited when I recall how our founder, Adam, wanted to really ensure that we were considering ourselves an organization that was based on purpose, right? A for-purpose organization. And that has really been our ethos as well. Mm-hmm. You are so speaking my language. We've got to connect out of this. And I, I think it's a matter of time, but I'm working, I'm working hard on exactly, you know what, and uh, we'll chat about it. I, I mean, it. Yes. something that stands out to that, you know, if I'm getting a little nerdy now is, you know, in his book, uh, in Adam Braun's book, uh, Promise of a Pencil, he has a quote. And if I get it right, I think it's, I wanted to build a movement that changed people's perception of charity. And that's exactly what you're alluding to is that. That's spot. Brian, I'm so impressed. Spot on. <laughs> yep. Yep. Anyway, that's, yeah, so I, I completely subscribe to that, I guess, is my response to what you said. Um, but, and, but it takes time, right? Like, I've recognized my privilege, kind of what we're talking about, with the fear um, that I have and how that's motivated me to be of service and to understand that abundance exists. Um, that takes time. And, you know, stepping into a role of servant leadership is an amazing, uh, it's an amazing joy. It's an amazing gift, but it also is uncomfortable. And I guess, you know, you coming from where you're at, um, like what is usually the first step that you tell someone to take when it comes to being more uh, of service and to become a servant leader? Is it, you know, I guess there's a bunch of different ways that you can express that, but what is usually the lead domino that gets people kind of into the ecosystem? Oh man. The first thing that comes to mind is being comfortable with being messy, right? Um, Mm. there is so much about living a life of purpose and moving forward around your philanthropy that oftentimes can be a little bit messy. Um, And so I want people to feel comfortable with messy and also be okay with not having a roadmap or having a a plan necessarily. For me, as a nonprofit leader, I knew that what really motivated me was ensuring that kids that looked like me around the world would Mm -hmm. have access to a quality education. And that's what really brought me to Pencils of Promise. And so when, when folks that I mentor or people in my network say, you know, Tanya, if I really want to be an agent of change, if I really want to make an impact in the world, how do I go about doing it? And there's just such a multitude of ways, Brian, right? You can serve a nonprofit in the way that I do. You can leverage your dollars and be philanthropic. 
for pop in particular, you can build a school. Mm -hmm. You can invest in some of our life-changing programs that enable our kids to thrive. You can do so many various things um, relative to what motivates and inspires you. But I think it begins with just wanting to be an agent of change, mm. wanting to leave the world better than the way you found it. Yes, yes. No, it's the intention for sure. It's absolutely about the intention. And, and it's, I love it because what, what you listed too are like the really high levers of impact, right? So it's like, these are people that are dedicated. They're, they're experts. They know what they're doing. You know, support them and let them go off and solve the world's biggest problems, which is exactly what Pop is doing. But then also like the foot in the door and kind of what you alluded to is like, it can be so small. It can just be a little taste of it. It could be, you make one different decision. You can, you know, you can decide to, you know, vote with your dollar and do something very easily. And it's like, just kind of bringing this consciousness around. Yes, I can make a difference. You know, exactly that. Like I can make a difference and I did and how that feels. And then people can grow upon that into a fuller expression of their service, which, um, which is the goal. I think that's what both of us are trying to do as servant leaders is motivate people and inspire people to find that for themselves and to serve in a way that's aligned with them. They, they cool. have to find the right, the right way to go about it. And you provide them with the inspiration, the motivation and the tools to be able to do just that. Absolutely. And the community so that like, so that it's encouraged and so that people feel good thinking that way instead of feeling different or um, unappreciated thinking a certain way. That's, that's a part, I mean, Agreed. as social creatures, absolutely. It's important. Cool. All right. We've, I we've talked agree. about... Yeah, we've talked about a lot of things, but I want to get right down to it because there's a huge opportunity, which is um, Pencils of Promise. And you know, you've talked about kind of your personal um, relationship with it in terms of that you get to serve kids that were like yourself and, um, and how impactful that is and how that's driving change. But for, for those of us who don't know the first thing about Pencils of Promise, can you tell us a little bit about the kind of the, the offering in terms of all the different things that are being covered as well as how it's different than other nonprofits? That's what stands out to me is how it's different and why that is, um, why that's necessary. Absolutely. So Pencil Promise was founded more than a decade ago. We are a for-purpose organization that is providing access to a quality education to students around the globe. Um, as we talked about earlier, we have 530 schools. We serve 100,000 kids. But what, I, what I'd like to emphasize, Brian, to you and to all of your listeners, is we started off as a school build organization, like mm -hmm. a lot of international organizations, but POP is a learning organization. That's what really um, separates us from, from many other nonprofits. And through that learning, we've recognized that's just the first start, Brian, is access, right? A safe structure to learn in. But we've also recognized that throughout this journey, we also have to remove obstacles to education. Right. For me, as I alluded to, it was an ADHD diagnosis. How do you help me remove that obstacle to growth and in order to thrive? And for our students, there is access to clean water. Right. So we have a wash program, water access, sanitation and hygiene. And in this COVID world, now more than ever, we've seen the relevance of ensuring that our kids are washing their hands and staying healthy because kids can lose upwards of 180 days of school because of hygiene related illnesses. Another obstacle, we wanna make sure that our kids are leaving our schools fully literate. That's actually the game changer, right? So we have our digital e-reading program. They have tablets, Brian, where they're able to read over a hundred titles in their native tongue and in, and in English so that they're reading and they're reading at home to their families. Mm -hmm. Many of their parents who happen to be 
illiterate. Mm -hmm. um, and we have our newest program, our menstrual hygiene program, yet another obstacle for our female students who will miss upwards of a week of school every month because of the taboos associated with um, menstruation. So we're building schools, Brian. We're removing mm -hmm. obstacles to education. We're collaborating and partnering with the communities that we serve because we're not here with a silver bullet. We want to make sure that our folks have skin in the game and that they are happy to have our school there. They're going to support our efforts. We support our teacher through our teacher support programs because we know that a well-equipped teacher will ensure that a child will be able to thrive in the classroom and beyond. So I, I can't tell you how honored and humbled and thrilled I am to be able to lead this organization, to have been able to make the impact we've had thus far. We have a sustainable model. So also proud to say to all of your listeners that all of our schools are still fully operational to this day. And that is not something that a lot of um, NGOs can, can say. Oh, that is, I didn't even know that. That is incredible. Like, and that just goes to show that it is very different in the way you guys operate because it comes from such an intentional place. And, and like what you just described is very entrepreneurial too. You know, it started as this is the one problem we're solving and we've identified this. And that was Adam being like, really? Like you guys are not like learning under a structure or within a structure. That's incredible. So yeah. So start there. And then the entrepreneurial spirit kicked up, which is, oh, we're here. Well, what is the actual issue? And then you start pulling back the layers and that's what pop is doing. Exactly. Is it, it's, you know, it's the sanitation, it's the transportation, it's education, it's exactly. technologies, right? And there's all these different components that are coming together. And not only that, but the sustainability of it, because it's not just, hey, here's your handout community, right? Like you guys go in there and you vet all the local communities and you make sure that they're committed to the success of this, just like you guys are. So it, what it does is like, it brings people together toward a common objective, but it approaches that objective in such an entrepreneurial way, which is refreshing in the nonprofit sector because innovation can be handcuffed or, or thought to be reserved for business. And it doesn't need to be like, Agreed. it absolutely doesn't need to be. It does not. And, and that's something that, that's I, I why, agree more. <laughs> that's why I'm such a, a big supporter of the work that you're doing and how you're leading this. Cause you know, it comes from the top, but also just the ethos of pop because that, that innovation is the example that a lot of other people can use and the disruption that is going to be um, more per pervasive as people see how this performs um, in order to drive change in the most impactful way. So I'm just, I'm honored to, to play my role in it, however, uh, however it looks and uh, just Thank honored you, to meet you, honored to meet you and um, to be a part of this and see where it comes from. It's absolutely inspiring and uh, the, the, the story needs to be heard. Thank you so much, Brian. And if you wouldn't mind, I would love to um, make a small plug for our upcoming gala. So as we alluded to, you know, POP has been extremely innovative. So outside of our sustainability model, the way that we've attracted supporters is like no other. And yes, I'm biased as CEO, <laughs> but I can't help myself. <laughs> now, having said that, our annual gala is like no other. And I've been in the nonprofit sector for 25 years. And I assure you, I have not gone to an event in the way that POP is able <laughs> to deliver yearly. But this year is different, right? We, we recognize that as a result of COVID, we're not able to gather in the same way that we did. So that event of six or 700 people in Cipriani is now a virtual event. But the mission the inspiration remains the same. And so I want to encourage your listeners to tune in at 7 p.m. on October 22nd. 
If they would like to purchase a virtual ticket, they can go right onto our website, pencilsofpromise.org. And what's really meaningful is the entry point, a $50 ticket in order to be inspired and hear about the great work we're doing and what's to come. And um, it will normally cost us $75 to educate a child anywhere in the globe for a full year. And yet you can join us and support our work for $50. So I really encourage people to tune in. I encourage people to be a part of this movement. And for those of you who have read Adam's book, Lenoy, our first employee from Laos, will be honored this year. And so it's going to be a powerful event. And I really encourage everyone to tune in. I am so excited. I'm gonna. I'm so. I'm already signed up, and and those. Yes, are, I know. <laughs> and, and the, yeah, and those who are listening, um, reach out to me if you have any questions about this. I am a huge proponent of it. I'm gonna try and support those who want to support this because it's something that I believe in. And uh, Tanya, this has been an Thank absolutely you, incredible conversation. You are. Um, you, you embody. You're just. You're a magnet of service. Like I can tell. You just like really attract it. You embody it. Um, and it's something that I'm honored to, to learn from. So I'm, I'm excited to see what the future of our relationship looks like, as well as the future of the impact that we both independently and collaboratively serve uh, together. And I just am very grateful for you and the light that you are in this universe. So thank you. I'm grateful for you. You are now in my ecosystem. You go nowhere. And so glad we had this conversation. I look forward to speaking with you again soon. I love her heart. That was Tanya Ramos, CEO of the for-purpose organization Pencils of Promise. We covered a number of different topics, like servant leadership and what it means to come from a place of contribution in your work, and how fear can be an extremely effective motivator, as well as how we all can be agents of change in our own right. But what I want to highlight most is the work Pencils of Promise is doing. With Tanya's leadership, Pencils of Promise is creating sustainable change by providing unprecedented access to education. Not only are they supporting by helping communities build schools, but they're helping kids overcome the real obstacles that prevent them from pursuing education, like technological barriers, safe transportation, and hygiene. They are extremely innovative in the way they approach nonprofit work and are setting an amazing example for others to follow. Remember how I mentioned a special opportunity? Well, for anyone who donates $50 to attend the Pencils of Promise Gala on October 22nd, I'm offering a free 30-minute coaching call. All you have to do is send me an email to selfimprovementdailytips at gmail.com with your receipt confirming the donation, and we can find a time to chat. Visit gala.pencilsofpromise.org or visit the website in the description of this episode to make your donation today. Remember, it's for an organization doing some incredible work and your contribution will help them secure the support they need to continue changing generations of lives. Thanks for listening and for being a leader in service. I'll see you next time on Self-Improvement Daily.